More on the Browns as well. Let's go out to our Browns insider. His name is Daryl Ryder. Brought to you by Shopping Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Daryl, how you doing tonight? Good, JP. How are you? Have you checked your Tito bobblehead doll to make sure the scooter wasn't stolen the same way? Yes. Tito's? Okay, we're good. Okay. And it's not been soiled either. It's not. I think that part was a that part was a gimmick, right? That's not. That's not truth. Uh, I don't know. I'm a gullible human. But I, I don't know if I buy that part of the story. I think that one. Was, I don't know. Maybe I just hope to believe that that part of the. Was yeah, I think you're hoping for the best of humanity, and uh, uh, life experience has told me the best of humanity sometimes just yeah. doesn't exist. Between that story and then you got the naked person on Carnegie in Ontario, it's been a banner day for people uh, about out and about downtown Cleveland, Daryl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. There's nowhere you can go with that. No, there's nothing I, really I can do with that. I'm sorry. I, I, I want to see what. No, there is, but not, n- nothing that keeps me employed. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, Daryl, what'd you what'd you make about uh, the the festivities and everything around today? I a, a couple curtain calls. It's very nice for Tito. Uh, we talked yesterday about Tito and him stepping away. Uh, thirty thousand, almost thirty thousand people showed up tonight, though. Big attendance for Tito's farewell. Yeah, honestly, I would have liked to see the place sold out, but. Um, still good crowd, uh, for the, uh, the home finale. And yeah, I, I thought the guardians did a, a really good job, uh, honoring him, paying tribute. The fans were uh, outstanding, uh, giving him the, uh, the ovation, uh, at the, at the beginning of the, uh, you know, after the, the player introductions or whatever, before first pitch and him having to go out twice for curtain calls. And then, uh, uh, the players, uh, I think it was Jose Ramirez, I saw, uh, blocked the dugout step so Tito couldn't run in. <laughs> he had to stay on the field so the fans could continue giving him an ovation. So uh, I thought that that was a job well done by the players. But, yeah, I mean, look, um, you know, the the fact that he picked uh, the then Indians back in uh, 2012 to continue his, uh, you know, his managerial a career, the fact that he stayed here as long as he did. Um, they made the playoffs, I think, what, six times uh, that he was manager. So it's like once every two years they were in the playoffs. Uh, won the pennant, came within, uh, you know, uh, a game of, of winning the World Series. That still stings to this very day. It's a shame that uh, he couldn't get that done and, uh, you know, the organization couldn't win for him. Uh, so he could break two curses in baseball. But. Hall of Fame manager. He'll go into Cooperstown here in a couple years, and uh, he'll probably go in, uh, you know, uh, wearing the the Boston B because that's where he won two World Series. But uh, yeah, there there's going to be a large segment of that plaque dedicated to his time here in Cleveland, running uh, managing this uh, ball club. Daryl, is it odd that I think I can make a case that his legacy will not and would not have changed even if he had won that World Series? I, I think the people of Cleveland will remember him just as fondly. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't. I, I did not mean to insinuate that his legacy was tarnished because they didn't win that World Series, not, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but uh, it just it would have been a you know a nice antidote, right? That you know he he managed uh, two franchises that had been going that had gone through tremendous uh, title droughts to championships. Um, but no, no, his legacy. Uh, uh, with what he did here in Cleveland is, you know, uh, forever cemented, uh, winningest manager in franchise history. Um, I, I, again, I mean, outside of two years, every year he managed this team, they were a contender. 
Um, and he really, at least from my standpoint, coming off those Maniacta years, which let's be honest about it, were just god awful, right? Mm-hmm. And it was basically coming off of a a decade, really, outside of two thousand seven. Yeah, from, the ALCS year. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like from two thousand one, right when the when the Mariners knocked them out of the playoffs in two thousand one, from two thousand two to two thousand twelve. It was not pretty. It, it really wasn't. And uh, the, the organization really seemed to be trying to, you know, uh, find its way. Um, you know, they had traded two Cy Young Award winners, so fan uh, feeling toward the, the ball club was apathetic at best. Uh, the, the team was not playing real well. And he just came in and just injected the entire organization with life. And um, I fear that his departure is uh, going to reverberate throughout the organization, uh, and not in a positive way either. Uh, I'm really worried uh, about the future uh, of this organization right now without Terry Francona. Um, I've said it numerous times. Look, we can all agree that there's no, there is no perfect coach, no perfect manager. You know, Tito will tell you himself. He's usually, you know, first in line to make fun of himself and to tell you he messed something up. But um, I, I I think that those that were not on Tito's side, those fans, you, you're going to be on his side in a very short amount of time when you realize what you're going to be missing without having him in that third base dugout. I want, I want to know if you, if you agree with me or not. I, I don't think I'm in the, the majority or the popular side of this take, but I, I, some people are like, oh, well, Tito should come back and, and he, you know, he can just kind of be around the team sparingly. You know, he can be in spring training. He can do this. He can do that. I, I kind of think that overshadows the new skipper, Daryl. I feel like a, a new skipper's got to put down his own, his own mark on a squad, and if the, the, the giant shadow of Tito is there and around, I don't know that I love that. Mm, I think that if you – Obviously, he's not going to be in a coaching capacity. So I think the new skipper can will have whatever latitude there. But I would like to see him remain with the organization in some sort of official front office capacity, whether that's a uh, you know make up make up your your fancy title. They, they can call the Browns. The Browns are the kings of making up fancy titles for people. <laughs> that's a good job. Why don't they just go over to, you know, place a call to 76 Lugrosa Boulevard and the Haslams can give you some fancy schmancy title to give Terry Francona uh, to keep him in the front office in some capacity. I, I don't think that he would loom over the new manager. And, and here's why I say that is because Tito knows his place. He's very big on knowing your role and, and things like that, right? People skills, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He would make a conscientious effort to stay out of the way of the new manager. So I, I, I think it's it, – if he wants to do it, I think it would be invaluable for the Guardians organization – to be able to continue to benefit from his people skills, his baseball expertise, et cetera, et cetera, uh, in some capacity that has nothing to do with, uh, you know, managing on uh, the diamond. Well, I do think that should be something that the new manager has a say in uh, because I think that ultimately it's got to be his dime, his dance for. Uh, have you scouted out a managerial big board or are you not nah. there yet? No, I'm not there yet. Okay. I think this is going to happen quick, Daryl. I don't think they're going to waste time on this one. I don't know. I don't know if it is. Uh, I, 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 
gather that they, I, mean, yeah, I would guess that they've already begun the process very quietly behind the scenes, uh, d- doing their own due diligence and homework because they've known for a while that this was happening. Um, <clears throat> you know, it was the worst kept secret in the world. So, uh, but I also anticipate they're going to wait a moment to see if anyone comes available unexpectedly, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, even someone like Boone, for instance, I don't think Council's coming here, but someone like Aaron Boone could easily come here. Exactly. So, I, I, I you know, you, you want to make sure you've got the full playing field before you go ahead and make a decision. So, I, I, I understand what you're saying. You think they, they're going to move quickly and things like that. I think they also want to make sure that they've got the full pool of candidates to choose from or before they ultimately make a final decision. Sure, I get that. And I, I am kind of thinking, and, and again, I was thinking after the season, but it was going to move quickly after the season. But now as we're talking about it, I was thinking about one of the advantages the Browns had in hiring Jim Schwartz right away, right? You got to him before other teams could. Yeah, well, and again, look, uh, I'm sure Chris Antonetti has the managerial big board up in his office, right? I hope so. I mean, Nick it, Wilson and Dustin Fox have one, so no. <laughs> Antonetti, they better have a big board up. So... I, I, that being said, you know, from the, you know, to your point, yes, I expect the process to move quickly, interviews and things like that, narrowing the field and, and whatnot. But again, I think that they will make sure nobody pops open, uh, to be available, uh, before they, you know, obviously make their final decision. Uh, Daryl, is it wild that I believe the Browns should beat the Ravens this weekend? No, the Ravens are beat up, man. No, that's, uh, Dude, stars are aligning for the Cleveland they Browns really this are, year. Though. Daryl, they really are. They really are, right? Joe Burrow's banged up in Cincinnati. They kicked the you know what out of them in week one, and they they should have won week two, and they blew that one, right? Um, came back uh, last week and and you know took care of business again. No, they ought to win this game Sunday. They ought to go into the bye week three and one for the third time in four years under Kevin Stefanski. I love that. I absolutely love it. And, I mean, they're a very injured team right now, obviously. But you, you talk to people in Baltimore right now, they, they, they're yelling at Todd Munkin already. The, <laughs> the, Lamar, the Lamar passing era isn't off to the greatest start that they yeah. thought it would be. He's averaging uh, 40 yards fewer than what he averaged through the year just two years ago. And this is supposed to be, like, a dynamic offense, one that he said he was going to throw 6,000 yards in. Like, this is, this is, the, this first is the first time, time ever that Lamar Jackson should be scared to come to Cleveland. I like that. If you think about it, you look at what the Browns have defensively. I mean, Clowney was a nightmare for him always, though. Uh, I understand what you're saying. In the JOK, because JOK was drafted to stop Lamar, but I remember that Sunday night game, Clowney was just an absolute force on on Lamar. He continually was in his face. But this is going to be not just Clowney getting after him. This is a million different directions and players getting after him. Yeah, so... And and then the secondary going down the field, right? And the wide receiver core is in a hundred percent. So this is again the stars are aligning. Opportunity knocks. Browns need to seize the opportunity, take advantage of it, get themselves going into the bye week feeling real good at three and one because you got a beast coming to town in San Francisco after the bye. Then the schedule gets fun. Indy, Seattle, Arizona should be able to rip some wins off there before you got to play the Ravens and Steelers back to back. Then Denver, the Rams, Jacksonville, Chicago, Houston. You ought to be able to rip all those games off. I mean, look, we're looking at I, – I went into the season saying 10, 11 wins. Scrap that. Ooh. They may go 11 to 14 wins. Anywhere from 11 to 14 wins this year. 11 if to this, 14. If, if this defense plays the way that they're capable of and they're able to stay healthy enough, 
Yeah. Look, I mean, look at the schedule. I'm with you. I'm with look you. at the schedule. Vegas, Daryl. Vegas. Colts don't it. scare me. Seahawks don't scare me. Cardinals are a laughing stock, right? Vegas, which doesn't Denver. take emotions into play. They're all about the, the money. Yeah. They moved the to Rams, 10 and a half the wins. Jaguars, the Bears. That's that's seven. Texans. That's eight games right there. The Dole and the Jets. That's nine. It yeah. looks good, Daryl. It looks good. I, they have not won. I'm gonna. Ready for my bold prediction? Let's get it. Hey, uh, Big Weege, get the get the headline ready here, okay? The Cleveland Browns in the expansion era have never won more than four games in a row. That is going to change this season. Uh, not that great for a headline, but it's a good line. It's, 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 it's well, I wasn't line. trying to give you a headline. Well, I, I, I was got just, ready for the headline. I, yeah, I, I wasn't trying to give you a headline. That's my 14, bold prediction. Though, that's, that's good enough for me. That, all right, so when did, at what stretch does it start? Does it start in the indie game and then just kind of uh, keeps going? I'm going to go Denver through the Jets. So sweep the West Coast trip, Broncos, okay. Rams, Jaguars, Bears. Man, I thought Jacksonville Titans, was going to be a hard Jets. game entering this year. and they've, I'm going to go six in a row. Shoes. They're going to win six in a row. After they get done with the Ravens and the Steelers. What a generous Bears-Texans-Jets thing we have going on. Oh, that is a gift from heaven. And who knows what the Bengals are going to look like by week 18. That's true. Again, the stars are aligning, but it's up to these guys to have their stuff together, bring it week in and week out, and get the job done. But it's – I'm telling you, man, when when I – Looked at that schedule this afternoon, and I was kind of pondering some things. I was like, man, I might have really undersold this this year. They really may be they, – they might be a top top four or top three seed in the AFC when the dust settles. Right. I don't think that – I don't think they're going to get that for – you know, they're not going to be the top seed in the AFC. But I don't know. The AFC North all of a sudden feels like it could be in play. Love to hear it. Daryl, uh, fantastic insight as always. And of course, Daryl brought to you by Shabin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Enjoy the rest of the evening, and I'll talk to you again on Sunday. Thank you, Daryl. You got it, bud.